The weaponization of the government. It is out of hand, especially since President Biden took office. It seems we have witnessed nearly every single federal agency crossing their boundaries of power. For the House Judiciary, subpoenas FBI Director Christopher Wray over the targeting by the DOJ and FBI of parents at school board meetings. The Department of Justice and the FBI have been targeting Catholic Americans as, quote, potential terrorists. Former President Donald Trump saying Mar-a-Lago, his Florida property, has been raided by the FBI. Verifying that you have it. You got two different purchases. If you have them, I'm out of here. Told you, America, it is bad. But while this kind of government abuse is getting much worse, it is not new. Tonight, I want to take you back to the moment exactly 30 years ago tonight when we all realize just how dangerous D.C. can be. The one event that demonstrated to the world that government agencies will do what they want, when they want, to whom they want, no matter the consequence. Officials are starting to look for answers after doomsday in Waco. This morning, investigators began sifting through the embers of the Waco compound, searching for the bodies of more than 80 cult members believed killed in the fire. Tonight, the Waco lessons we ignored and the dark truth about our U.S. agencies gone completely out of control. All right. Hello, America. At the conclusion of the Constitutional Convention in 1787, a woman approached Ben Franklin as he was walking out. She wanted to know, okay, what form of government this little experiment in freedom would look like. And he replied, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. A republic was the answer to what the founders feared most. They worried that the mob mentality of straight democracy would use the federal government to weaponize against the other half of the country. So they went a different way. They went with a republic. They built a system that was at odds with itself. Every single branch of the government was a check or a balance on the other. Let me show you what they came up with. They had uh, somebody who represented you. Okay, so you're represented. You. Okay, can't barely see it. That says you. That's the house. Then there was another group that they just said, we're going to watch over the states, not the individual, not the national, just my state. That was the Senate. So now if the people wanted to do something that was bad for the states, they'd be in conflict. Then they needed somebody with vision who was actually supposed to be one of the last stops For the Constitution. He was just an executive. He was actually quite uh, powerless at the beginning, and they wanted it that way. It was an executive, maybe he could state the vision, but he also would be somebody that when he vetoed, he vetoed not because he didn't like it, he vetoed because it was against the Constitution in his view. Then, if they decided that the president was wrong, they would go to the group that was meant to protect the Constitution, and that is the Supreme Court. So you were protected, the state was protected, 
the Constitution was protected in two ways. What have we done? House of Representatives, their power is gone because they are the ones who are supposed to make the laws, not the agencies. That was a progressive idea. Make the laws and they controlled the spending. But since we haven't had any budget of any kind, Congress is gone. The progressives got rid of state representation. Why should I care about a senator in uh, Missouri? Why am I doing that? That branch was to protect our states to make sure the federal government never crossed its boundary. Then you had the Constitution with the Supreme Court. Well, that one is almost gone. They're threatening to get rid of it, which leads you, leaves you with just the executive, the one that is supposed to be the least powerful. But what he's done is gutted, and it's not Biden, this has been happening over a long period, about 100 years. He's gutted everything and put all of the power into the federal bureaucracy. That's easy for me to say. All of the government agencies, the, the president is now the one saying, yeah, I want you to come up with something. They make the laws, which is not constitutional. And even when the Supreme Court says, uh, you guys can't do that, they do it anyway. This is not a republic. It's a dictatorship. The progressives knew they could make Uh, a weapon out of the government. Our government is not supposed to be weaponized, but it is right now against half the country. And I would be saying this to you if the Republicans were doing it. You've heard it called the swamp and the deep state, but this is now what we are facing. The Federal Register currently shows over 400 agencies in the United States government. You don't know most of these. You certainly don't know the people that are in these agencies. These are the people that are actually making the laws now. How do I vote against them? This is how a Republican president can be elected. Along with GOP control of both the Senate and the House, If the president, Senate, and the House, and the Supreme Court agrees with the Constitution, then changes could be made. But a Republican president can be investigated now his entire term, impeached twice, have his home raided by the FBI, then indicted by an out-of-control prosecutor in New York City. Do any of these federal law enforcement agencies feel like there is any kind of check on their power? Do you think anybody, even at the Interior, Department of Interior, or certainly the EPA or OSHA, do you think there's any limit to them the way they see their job? They've got over 400 fellow agencies operating shadow policies right along with them. They believe they are too big to fail and that you represent a minority that they can now weaponize against. It's near comical how blatant all of this has become just in the past few years. Look at the one-sided partisan questions to this day that remain unanswered that every American should want the answer to. Let's try with this one, FBI and the DOJ. Do they actually care about our national security documents? I mean, at all? Because I know they cared when 
Donald Trump had them. And then they suddenly didn't care when it was sitting next to uh, the Corvette in that really cool garage with his drug addict son. They didn't care. But we now care. We now really, really super care about the leak from that 21-year-old kid that just leaked all these secrets online to a group of his friends. But we certainly didn't care when Hillary Clinton and AIDS went in and used bleach bit to permanently erase her emails and took hammers to destroy two mobile devices. They said they had no ill intent. What? So they don't really care. Ukraine, the Clinton, Soros, Obama, Chalupa, Isakov scandal that we pointed out. We did show after show on this. These are really important questions. Really, no answer. No answer. And by the way, Isakov, he's the guy who is breaking that Russian uh, hoax. Yeah, he's also the guy who just broke the story of that 21-year-old. I don't know. Can we get some answers on things? What is the real reason FBI Director Comey briefed then-President-elect Trump about the unverified Steele dossier? It was bullcrap. They all knew it. We know it now. But this official briefing set off the firestorm of media coverage that hamstrung Trump's entire team. Was that the real reason for the briefing? Still today, we don't have an answer. How many Americans, really important one, have become victims of FISA unmasking? How many members of any administration in the last couple or three? How many have been involved, staff members? What did FBI agent Peter Strzok mean by, we need an insurance policy? How many federal law enforcement officers were involved with January 6th? Did you see this week that um, uh, the the Senate has completed uh, a report on how COVID came about? They now, and this is a nonpartisan, as nonpartisan as you can possibly get, these people have come out now and said, ah, uh, yeah, it looks like uh, a lab leak. Two of them. Who's going to answer for this? Because we were paying for it exactly the way we told you we were paying for it back in what, 2021? Then back to January 6th, who planted the RNC and DNC pipe bombs? Because we have lots of pictures of them, but the FBI just can't seem to find that person. How was an FBI raid on a former president's home ever approved? By the way, Biden said he knew nothing about it. We now know that's not true. Can someone ask, uh, is that a problem? Who was responsible for the Dobbs leak? I mean, you really only have 12 subjects and maybe three of their staff members. The FBI, with all their resources, they can find the guy that was leaking those secret documents and take him away in handcuffs with with rifles. But you can't find out of like, what, a hundred people? You can't figure out who leaked this? The FBI, why'd they start arresting the pro-life people? They still to this day, if uh, if I I think they made one arrest on one bombing of these pro-life clinics But they've rounded up old ladies on pro-life, and they said they weren't targeting Catholics, but now we find out they absolutely are, still to this day. 
And honestly, the one thing I want to know is, did Elon Omar ever really marry her brother? I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, it would be nice to know that. So we've answered some of these questions. We'll answer some of them later in the show. But if you add up all of these questions, you know the situation is dire. Now, if you hold one set of beliefs, you're protected. You hold another set, you're a target. That's what the founders wanted to stop. The government is running completely out of control like never before. And believe me, if Donald Trump or somebody else gets in, if he wanted to, he could use this same system to do it to the other side of the country, and that would be wrong as well. We caught a glimpse of how out of control things had become back in 1992 at Ruby Ridge. The FBI wanted a man named Randy Weaver to be an informant for him. When Weaver refused, the FBI tried to charge him with a weapons violation, a violation they goaded him into breaking. After federal law enforcement descended on his property, the end result would be one dead U.S. Marshal and two of Weaver's family. His wife was shot by a sniper while she was holding their baby daughter. Randy Weaver would later sue and win over $3 million from the government. Everybody was in agreement that the FBI was completely out of control. But you think of Ruby Ridge as a conspiracy. Here's the testimony from the FBI director's statement to Congress. Quote, Ruby Ridge has become synonymous with tragedy. It has also been uh, synonymous with exaggerated application of federal law enforcement, end quote. But despite that seeming unanimous self-reflection from our government at the time, the most high-profile event in recent history that showed us just really how out of control things were getting commenced just a few months later the siege on the Branch Davidian compound in Waco, Texas. It ended exactly 30 years ago tonight. Over 70 ATF agents were involved in the raid. That number would balloon to over 900 officers and agents, and it lasted 51 days. In the end, four federal agents would lose their lives. 75 Branch Davidians would be burned to death, including 25 children. There's a new document, uh, uh, documentary on Netflix called Waco, the American Apocalypse. It just came out, and it is probably the most balanced collection of facts on what really happened that I've ever seen on this story. Let me show you a quick clip from the show that highlights the reaction from the government in the immediate aftermath. I made the decision. I'm accountable. The buck stops with me. There is no doubt that the ATF and FBI messed up and messed up badly at Waco. This is a profound disgrace to law enforcement in the United States of America. More than 90 people, including four law enforcement officers and 22 children, died as a direct result or indirect result of federal government action. Everyone who touched the ball fumbled it. Did you notice those are both Republicans and Democrats? And it was a Democrat in the office, but they were all in agreement. When's the last time you saw that? This was a major screw up. And the documentary goes on to to detail just how bad it was. It explains how the ATF had a member undercover inside the compound when David Koresh 
was tipped off that the raid was about to happen. The Branch Davidians knew that that the 70 ATF officers were coming and the undercover agent relayed the fact to his superiors. But despite that, they decided to do it anyway. They knew there were families inside, women and children. They knew that their prophecy foretold this exact moment would happen and that it would mean the end of the world. So they did it anyway. One of the parts that is so infuriating is the FBI and ATF, the negotiators. They were actually doing a pretty good job. They were able to get 30 people out peacefully with plans to get a lot more. But the more militant arms in the FBI were playing from a different rule book. The human element in all of this was never conveyed back to us in 1993. But this is a phone call from the last Branch Davidian to be released, talking to her dad not long before Janet Reno gave the go order. Do you want to hear that last call with your dad? Yeah. Hi, Daddy. Hi, Heather. What you doing? You're sitting in a chair. You're just sitting in a chair? Yeah. How'd you like your little ride? It was fun. It was bumpy. God has many promises, Heather. And always, always remember that. You be a good girl and, and uh, ask for all the good things. That was the last time she heard her father's voice, and the entire world was watching as the compound went up in flames. I want to show you one more clip from the Netflix documentary, because I think it sums up what really happened. David Koresh is ultimately responsible. But that doesn't mean we didn't make mistakes as an organization, and we did. And in Waco, we did not save every life we could. Therefore, in my mind, it's a failure. David Koresh learned how to abuse power, and he did. The federal government in Waco, Texas, knew how to abuse power, and they did. And the outcome? some of our ugliest history. The first person speaking was one of the FBI negotiators that was trying to peacefully get people out. Even today, you can feel his frustration. The woman at the end is the mother of one of the Branch Davidians. Both of them recognized that David Koresh was ultimately responsible, but the mom was spot on. The federal government knew how to abuse their power, and they did. As seen in both Ruby Ridge and Waco, the weaponization of government is dangerous for both the people as well as the officers and agents. It creates larger problems that spiral out of control. Ruby Ridge gave birth to the modern militia movement. Waco inspired Timothy McVeigh to do the Oklahoma City bombing. And I remember the day that happened, uh, Bill Clinton was on on the radio saying that it was Rush Limbaugh's fault. Would there even have been a January 6th if uh, not for five years of targeted political persecution of President Donald Trump? Waco showed all of us just how bad things had gotten, but the government didn't learn a thing. They doubled down. I'm going to talk to an FBI agent 
wait until you hear the lessons that they now teach at Quantico. Just how bad have things gotten since then? I'll show you next. All right, I got to tell you about the Jace case. Um, Does it bother you living in the United States in the 21st century to hear that we have drug shortages on some of our most basic medicine? It should bother you. We we are, let me say this, China is gearing up for war. In the next two to seven years, they're saying China will go in and take Taiwan. Well, if they do that, chips are gone. Uh, If they do that, uh, we're not going to get, what is it, 17 or 19 out of the basic drugs, the, the basic chemicals that we use to make medicine, we won't get them. The Jace case is here, and right now they are providing five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. You can get them out just by filling out simply a simple online form. You jump on a call with a, one of the Jace case medical board certified physicians. You also have access to ongoing care from those physicians on any treatment-related questions. Um, and it empowers you to take care of yourself. And if there is a crisis, you will have the medicine. The Jace case. It'll help you be prepared. Promo code Beck. Get a special discount on your purchase. Promo code Beck. JaceMedical.com. Over the past 30 years since Waco, the weaponization of government has never stopped. It's gotten much worse and has spread well beyond the usual suspects like the FBI, DOJ, and ATF. But I want to stress something very clearly. You are not powerless. You are the solution, and you can fight back and... Obviously, I'm not talking about violence like the left resorts to. Remember the Biden administration's disinformation governance board? It took three weeks before they had to shut it down. And why? Oh, the government finally grew a conscience. No, they didn't. There wasn't some aid in the White House. It was like, you know what? This could potentially be abused on the American people. Those voices don't exist in government. Okay. so what happened? Here is a description from the Washington Post's propagandist slash journalist, I guess, Taylor Lorenz. How the Biden administration let the right wing attacks derail its disinformation efforts. I'll translate that from radical left wing dialect. We did this. You did this by speaking up, telling people the truth. We saw the government weaponizing another bureaucratic oppression tool and you stopped it. You have the power to fight back, but we've grown so accustomed to just let things slip by. That's got to stop now. I'll get back to some of the things happening with agencies like the FBI, DOJ, and ATF, and the courts in a second. But equally as dangerous are what the progressives are currently doing with parts of the government that fly way under the radar. Take a look at this headline. OSHA withdraws COVID vaccine mandate from employers. Well, first of all, Biden knew he did not have the constitutional authority to force businesses to mandate vaccines on their workers. But he did it anyway. He just weaponized the bureaucracy to do it for him. In any sane time, the head of OSHA would threaten to resign after receiving this order. But the progressives are all in lockstep. The head of OSHA was just sworn in in the nick of time as the vaccine mandate was finalized. And surprise, surprise, he was an Obama retread from the Department of Labor. 
This is how the weaponized swamp works. They rinse and repeat. He'll probably be back in some other role. It's never ending. It is insane how the Constitution is under attack from multiple bureaucratic fronts. With the exception of the Patriot Act, I don't think we've ever seen anything like it in my lifetime. Nothing like this has happened since FDR and the New Deal. I told you several weeks ago about how agencies like the Department of Energy, the EPA, the Department of Agriculture are being used to completely upend American energy. Do your own homework because this is unprecedented and it is a reality. I'm going to have all of these documents up uh, at glenbeck.com so you can read through all of them and do your own homework. But as we saw with Biden's disinformation boards, we can successfully push back on this stuff. But as we saw in Waco, federal law enforcement continues to grow more and more out of control. The ATF has been caught on camera showing up to people's homes to question them about legal firearm purchases. And similar to how Biden used OSHA to do his dirty work with the vaccine mandates, he's now using the ATF to essentially write gun laws. All of this is going to get worse. And speaking of worse, the DOJ and FBI disclosed that they had made at least a thousand arrests of people involved with January 6th. But they still say they have a thousand more. One of my unanswered questions from earlier in the show was how many federal agents were involved in January 6th? I don't know if we'll ever get the exact number and confirmation, but have you seen what the Department of Justice has been doing recently? Julie Kelly at the American Greatness website has found court documents that show the DOJ is preemptively trying to shut down January 6th entrapment cases. This is weaponized government on full display. Another one of my unanswered questions was how did the DOJ and the FBI get cleared to conduct the unprecedented raid on President Trump's home? Unprecedented, right? It's never happened before. You would think something like that would have to be approved or the president would have to be notified. But he said they had no knowledge of it. They actually said they were surprised by the news and heard about it on Twitter, which is interesting. Because America First Legal, through FOIA requests, just uncovered an email that confirms the FBI obtained special access requests directly from the Biden White House. This government will come after a former president. They will come after you in your home just for preaching in front of abortion clinics. They'll arrest you for being present at protests. They'll infiltrate your church as the FBI was just caught doing with the, uh, the, with the Catholics. Do you think that stopped? What's next? What will the F, uh, ATF do? Will they do a Waco-style raid on St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York? After everything we have seen lately, nothing would surprise me. Abuse from federal law enforcement is at an all-time high. Where are the good guys? Well, I got one in my studio next. He's an FBI whistleblower here to tell you what lessons do they teach now at Quantico about Waco and Ruby Ridge, next. Our home's titles are online now, and once a criminal accesses it and forges your signature, it's a race against time to stop before he can take out loans on your home, or worse, sells your home underneath you, and you don't even know. When's the last time you checked your home's title? 
I'm guessing your answer is like mine when I bought the house. That isn't good. The people over at Home Title Lock demonstrated to me how online criminals can get you. In minutes, they found the title to my home, which I had attorneys try to bury that thing so nobody could find it for my own family's safety. They had, they were a signature, a forged signature of mine away from taking possession of my home, and they said it was really easy. Now look what ChatGPT can do. Listen, prepare yourself and make sure you have the title, HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code BECK and uh, save, HomeTitleLock.com. Joining me now is the formerly, uh, formerly suspended and now resigned FBI Special Agent Steve Friend. He is now a whistleblower after he observed some questionable actions from the Bureau in the wake of January 6th. He's also the author of the upcoming book, True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to Suspended FBI Whistleblower. Steve, good to see you again. Thank you for having me. How are things in your life? Uh Keep telling everybody I've lived a couple of years in the last few months. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, so let's, before we go into the present and the future, let's go back to Waco. You were on an FBI SWAT team, were you not? Yes. And did they, did they ever teach about Waco, Ruby Ridge, any of that? Were there any lessons learned from that? Uh, my only experience really was in SWAT basic training, uh, that was uh, when Janet Reno passed away. We held a moment of silence for her. Otherwise, just cone of silence regarding those matters. No, no lessons to be learned on that. No. How do, you, how do you view how the ATF and FBI handled that? I think that it's a practice that's still going on today, and that is no man can serve two masters. So the people that are in position to make decisions, be they operational, tactical, administrative. They're always trying to make the decision to accomplish the mission, but also do it with a splash. Don't use the tried and true best practices when something that briefs really well and you can attach yourself to and use on your resume to, as you ascend this ladder of management within... So wait a minute, so is that, do you think, why... They were doing that instead of just arresting Koresh when he was out around town or even just delivering a, a warrant at the door and knocking, you know, without a big scene? Without a question. That's what was going on. They, they knew they could have interviewed him, but they had the opportunity to use some undercover surveillance, later on use hostage rescue team, use air assets. Those are all things that you can put down on your, in the FBI, 954, which is the application to ascend the ladder and get to the next level of management. And I, I sort of equate it to the, uh, I, I have two young boys, so I've seen Jurassic World about a thousand times, and the Vincent D'Onofrio character wanting to use velociraptors to go after terrorists. <laughs> I'm telling you that that would happen if it were feasible. Why would you use a drone strike or SEAL Team 6 to take out Osama bin Laden? You can use dinosaurs. So instead of... I mean, this is just the opposite thinking, I think, that people have of these agencies. But it explains a lot, especially lately. I think they're trying to make the, the process the punishment. Would you agree with that? Yes, that's what I've come, come to learn, yeah. come to experience. Okay, so they're making the process the punishment. Um, but when you look at 
the raids where they just send out everybody, and there's no need for that. Is that to scare people? Is that to send a message? Or is that to beef up your resume? I think it's and also instead of if or. They have the opportunity to use all these tools at their disposal. Uh, And so many times, actually within the FBI, within the ATF and all these other law enforcement agencies, people uh, have to check certain boxes in order to justify their existence. It's a self-licking ice cream cone. So many times, even when SWAT's not used, when you see these large-scale arrest operations for these January 6th subjects, many of the agents that are on those arrests are brand new, and they have to be able to say they've participated in a certain number of arrests in order to get off of probation. So is there any motivation, is there anything to de-escalate? Any motivation, any carrot on that side? Uh, not from the FBI standpoint. And that's, that was something that I brought to my supervisor's attention when I made my disclosure. I said, we're a professional law enforcement agency. We should pride ourselves in taking individuals into custody using the least amount of force necessary. Right. What did they say? Uh, they said they had uh, looked at the situation and that they deemed the use of a SWAT team for individuals who were represented by attorneys had already promised to cooperate with law enforcement that uh, SWAT was still an adequate way to approach that. Wow. So when you look at what was happening um, in uh, Waco, how much did the view of citizens having guns play into, a, in, in, into their decisions at all? There's a large amount of antipathy towards citizens possessing firearms within federal law enforcement. It is something that is always front of mind. Uh, it's written into the use of tactical, the use of the SWAT teams, matrix. It, just the mere presence, regardless of the Second Amendment, the, the presence of firearms is enough to deploy a SWAT team, whether or not that person is actually you know, convicted felon and able to possess a firearm. There's always this healthy skepticism and uh, animosity towards individuals for owning firearms. Is there any way that's looked at? I know, I know my security, when I go places, would like to be in places where there are no fo- firearms because they know they're the only ones with guns. Um, and that has nothing to do with the Second Amendment. It has everything to do with security if we can uh, pull that off. I always hate it, but that's what they prefer. Is that the same mentality, or is it an anti gun thing, do you think? I think historically, yes, I think it's a security issue. But now, as the, uh, as the mission creep has come in from the counterterrorism side of the house within the FBI, and now they've focused, instead of outward threats to inward domestic terrorism, violent domestic extremists, certainly people who have uh, firearms and, and support the Second Amendment are going to be problematic in the views of the FBI. Um, did you see the story today that came out of Texas that um, the state of Texas is actually turning over salary? Um, uh, I don't know. They're not estimates, but the, the, the salary numbers of people who have had a background check run on them for certain guns. Uh, the ATF submits all of those background checks and says to the state of Texas, 
how much do these people make? Then they go back and look at it and say, that person shouldn't be able to afford that gun. Must be a straw purchase. And then it's turned over to the FBI for monitoring of those people. How many laws are being broken there? Too many to count. Yeah. But I think it's sort of this gross relationship that's now happened where there's a collusion between the government and private industry, banking information. We saw that even with January 6th out of the Boston field office where banks looked at individuals spending and saw if they'd taken a trip to Washington, D.C. and turned that over to the FBI without even being prompted to do so. And, you know, there's one thing about being a good citizen. There's another thing about being a good citizen to protect and defend the Constitution. I talked to a guy about Waco today on radio, and he was... um, he was the news director and vice president of KRLD here in, in Texas. And David Koresh had been on, um, you know, sending messages. And the FBI came in and said, or actually he said it was the ATF, came in and said, we need those tapes. And he said, great, they're right here. All I need is a warrant. And they were like, come on, man. And he's like, no, that's our station policy. I can't give you anything without a warrant. Those days seem to be long gone. Now, if you ask for a warrant, I think they'd view it as hostile. Yes, I think so. I think when the conversations I had with individuals who were at a higher level of management, when I mentioned the concept of due process, it just washed over them like it was a foreign concept. Um, Okay, Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then uh, I want to talk to you about January 6th, because since we met, some videotapes have come out. And uh, it's much worse than I thought. We'll get your thoughts on that here in just a second. You know, Steve, I think that most people um, who are Americans have never experienced what we're experiencing right now. Maybe, maybe under Wilson, but they're all dead. Um, uh, this is becoming very spooky if you're paying attention. But I think a lot of people, most people don't pay attention and uh, they're thinking, what? They, you know, these guys, January 6th. I want all of the guilty people to go to jail on, for January 6th. If you came in, you broke a window, you egged the crowd on, you, you did any of that stuff, you should pay the appropriate price that is outlined by the law. Um, and, and we've said, I remember at the very beginning, don't go because you don't know who you're going to be standing next to. And that was in reference to the Whitmer case, um, where it was like all FBI agents. All, I mean, it's, it was like one guy who wasn't an FBI agent. At least it felt like that. Now we're seeing video of this come out for January 6th. And you told me it was bad when you were here. Did you have any idea it was this bad? No. I, I, really, my experience, even bringing my information forward, my disclosures forward, was concerned about righteous investigations being lost because the FBI's processes are not being followed. Uh, and I really am a big believer in we need to have full transparency. There's no reason why this footage has been held, withheld for so long. None. It needs to be exposed. And even the little bit that's been eked out here in the last few months uh, has just been quite revelatory that, in fact, so many people were there walking through the house. Yeah, and you had, you had police officers now from their vest cameras 
egging people on, get onto the scaffolding, get in, go now. How, how, how corrupt is our system at the top? I mean, it's, it's kind of comforting to think that it's just the upper levels, but that doesn't seem like upper level people. No, it doesn't. I mean, certainly somebody who's in an undercover capacity, that's somebody on the ground level. That's operational. But again, you have the opportunity to attach yourself to something that's the largest and most important and vital investigation, more important than the Civil War, we're told now. And you can say that you are in some sort of either leadership or operational capacity on that. That's a very tempting. Uh, that's very tempting. But it's not... It's, it's not the same as like when you were saying about Waco, you know, people, you know, they have these resources and they want to be. It's another thing to actually be instigating, actually shaping that, isn't it? Yes, I, I do. I do think so. And there's a, a great divide, I think, that's the, the schism is growing between people that are within federal law enforcement that took their oath seriously and those that are just doing the bidding of the political. So who is it? Is it, is it stop at the attorney general? Is it, is it, is it everybody? I mean, can you, here's what I'm asking. Can you fix this? Can this be fixed? I don't think you can. I think it's beyond any sort of redemption at this point. Um, the, the one so wait, wait, wait. What does that mean? Because you say something like that, because that's what I believe. But you say that, and then Biden comes out and says, these people are anti-police, anti-FBI. No, I'm not. I never have been. I'm anti-corruption. So what does it mean to, to shut it down? I think we need to just face reality here. And, and just having been on the inside, I can tell you I was a local police officer before I was an FBI agent. And there are very talented and skilled police officers at a state and local level that can do the job of a federal agent better. There's nothing magical about the FBI. And, and I remember when the Christine Blasey Ford allegations came forward and there was this call, the FBI should investigate this decades-old crime. And I thought, well, we don't have any skills with, amongst our ranks that would make us better than a, a 10 or 12 or 15-year detective within a, a criminal investigative division. So I think right away we need to just Get away from this myth that the FBI isn't filled with people who are super squirrel, super secret squirrel agents like James Bond that can solve any crime under the sun. But I think more importantly, and this is where I really struggle, because I, I just was at an event with a, uh, an acquaintance. I would call him a friend, um, but, you know, we don't hang out. He's an FBI agent, and I've always had the utmost respect. And for the very first time, I felt myself keeping my distance and and it's not him because I know him well enough to know he is super straight arrow. But how are we going to turn that around? Well, there's a there's a, a good alumni base of retired agents that I've become acquainted with in the time that I've since I've exited from the FBI. And the refrain that I keep hearing from them is old school bureau, your old school bureau. And I think it's just a recognition of the past and, and honoring that yeah. as being a good thing. And, and I, when I came in, said, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, people who brought down Bonnie and Clyde and terrorists and organized crime. 
uh, I'm staying on third base. I didn't hit a triple. I need to continue that legacy going forward. And you have, there has to be a vetting process. There has to be a screening process where those types of qualities of in individuals that you're bringing in actually recognize it and embrace it. And in the meantime, little people are being squashed. I mean, what's happening with January 6th, I believe if the full details ever come out about that, I mean, you can't find the guy who was on top of the scaffolding. You, you, you can't find the pipe bomber. You can arrest the police officer that found the pipe bomb, but you can't find the pipe bomber. And yet you can find this kid who was leaking these secrets in like 24 hours. I, I don't I don't understand that. And they say there's a thousand more that are going to be arrested. You believe that number? I do. When I made my initial disclosure, my supervisor, that was one of the few things that he said to me that I was not going to be able to have some any sort of conflict or beg out of these particular cases because uh, we we're going to have a whole nother wave of them coming forward. And from what I understand, the area outside of the Capitol, outside of the four walls, if you will, is going to be deemed a restricted area so that they can bring another thousand people into custody. Do you think there were 2,000 really, really bad guys there that should be going through this? I think if there were 2,000 really bad guys, that video would have been released to us pretty quickly after January 6th. Yeah, I mean, you watch the video. Some people were despicable, you know, breaking windows, beating cops, even climbing the scaffolding. I mean, you just don't do that. That's not who we are. But 2,000 people? Is this tape going to turn anything around? Are these tapes? Well, we have to have the full context. Uh, that's one thing I've grown incredibly tired of hearing about. This is out of context. Either side. Give us the full context. There is enough crowdsourcing that we can do, internet sleuthing, that we can all view this and we can get a more uh, accurate accounting mm-hmm. of what transpired that day. I think that they're loathe to release it, uh, obviously on the Democrat side, because January 6th is this political weapon they've been mm-hmm. able to wield against their opponents. And the Republicans are afraid to. It's the same thing as we always get into with the debt ceiling debate. They're afraid of being accused of shutting down the government. They're afraid that this is going to be bad for them. They're afraid that they're not going to get invited onto the cable news talk shows because the uh, ad revenue won't be there if they want to address January 6th, which is a major mistake. You're elected to do a job. Your job is to consider what actually happened that day, not to consider how it's going to affect the next election cycle. You know this better than most. I think it's just time for courage. No matter what happens, just do the next right thing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for doing that. Good night, America.